Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. Tempted to think there's no hope for overcoming some of the challenges of modern life? Ask an elf. Or a hobbit. Tune in Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. with Milo Lomesdown at your service and... Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. For What Would Arwen Do? on KUCI Irvine, 88.9 FM and streaming live on KUCI.org. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. is the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore. Welcome to KUCI-FM Irvine, the voice of the University of California at Irvine. This is a program called What Would Arwen Do? And you may say, what is this program all about? Well, if a Middle-earth elf lived today in Orange County, California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? In other words, what would Arwen do? Some ask, what would Jesus do? Which is a very good question, especially in this Advent season. But on this program, I ask, we ask, what would Arwen do? Who was Arwen? Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom. Hmm, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or in Elvish, Arda. I believe Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige. With great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, sense of humor, and service to others. So this is based on J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings situation. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias writes, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, dwarves, hobbits, and the like partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God in his created world. End quote. I believe, we believe, this elven quality exists in every person and yearns for expression through the gifts of creativity, nobility, and service. So, having the incredible privilege of having a public affairs program on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, right here on the Middle Earth campus of UCI, and being friends with an elf in beautiful Orange County, California, when things arise that I want to think more deeply about, I like to ask my elf friend Tony Tanuvial the question, what would Arwen do? This is Milo Lomsdown, a hobbit at your service, and with me today, as always, is my elf friend Tony Tanuvial, the resident Middle Earth KUCI elf. Good afternoon, Tani. My govanin, Milo, my dear hobbit friend. Well, today is December the 14th, 2010, and I guess we should begin by saying hello to our, our many, many listeners here 
in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States, and indeed <laughs> the world as we have international friends. Yes. Um, a very special greeting, not only for the holidays, but just in general to everyone that may be listening. I'd like to say a special uh, hello to Ro, who may be listening from down in Escondido, although she would still be listening through the internet, and Luis, perhaps from up in Lakewood, and the the dream singer harp maker, <laughs> and also to our friends who may be listening online, especially from one of my favorite communities, Tolkien Online, the one ring dot com, the message board that has been such a blessing to me. Uh, not only for and now, if people would like updates about things coming up with the movies, but just a wonderful community of very welcoming and friendly people, many of whom I have met in person, my dear Hobbit, and they have become friends of mine. And I have to tell you, I just want to say a very, just a special thank you because I received in the mail this last week a beautiful Christmas card from. My friend, our friend Scribbles, remember Scribbles called in a couple of weeks ago from up in Canada? Oh my gosh, it was such a delight and a privilege. And she sent me this adorable Christmas card, which I haven't even had a chance to show you. But this Gorgeous. picture, I was actually just looking at this picture that's on the front. It reminds me, in a sense, of J.R. Look at the, the cover of The Letters of Father Christmas, which we will be talking about today. How similar the artistry is. But it's this, interesting, but that artist is... This, this artist is, um, it says Madzia Brill here, but she's Rodia on the message board, and she listens wow. in from Poland. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so isn't that a, a beautiful picture that she drew of a, a nice little um, holiday scene with people in the windows of the house and stars and so it was it was kind of a double blessing first getting a greeting from the silver scribe up in canada and then also uh, one of our fav- my favorite artists um did the christmas card well that's that's lots of, very, lots very of blessings of the season oh we have so many celebrate. blessings that we'll be discussing i would like to say hello to my nieces and nephews that may be listening via podcast oh. of course we are live most tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m pacific time and there are people that cannot listen live because they have jobs. They have to work at that point in time, and they're not permitted to listen to the Internet. But we are simulcasting on the Internet at KUCI.org in both the real format and the Windows Media Player format. Just look in the upper right-hand corner of KUCI.org's home page. We also podcast mm-hmm. every Wednesday, the day after the program I upload to KUCITalk.org. That's KUCITALK.org, where you can find What Would Arwen Do, our program, or you can go to the iTunes store. And we like iTunes. Lots it, of good music there. Well, there is tremendous. Every week, <laughs> oh, iTunes and, and gives you affairs. free music, mm-hmm. and there are just thousands of free public affairs programs of any kind, many most, kinds. Most of all of the public affairs programs here at KCI are also available through iTunes. So if there, if you have a special um, or a favorite program, public affairs, maybe it's Weekly Signals or Mari Frank's, um, um, what's your show about identity theft? Uh, privacy, privacy, piracy. piracy. What uh, an excellent show it is. Just recently they had Dean Erwin Chemerinsky, the founding dean of the UCI new law school now in its second year. Mm. What a brilliant fellow he is. And, of course, writers on writing, Barbara DeMarco Barrett and Mari Stone, um, who are uh, interviewing agents, authors, publishers all the time. They really give you a Everything you want to know to get published. (laughs) So if you wish to find us in the iTunes, you can go to the iTunes store and do a search on Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and you'll see several findings there, one of which will show the KUCI logo, and next to it, it'll say our program, What Would Arwen Do? So today, we have exciting things, and just to let our listeners know, we will be on an extra hour today, because there is just so much to celebrate and be thankful for in this season of, hopefully, of peace, and... um, 
So, yeah, we've got some great things, and we'll be here for two full hours sharing some readings from the works of J.R. Tolkien, both from us and from the professor himself, some special music, and we have some special gifts to give away. And you know what? I was thinking that we should save the gifts giving until the second hour, but maybe we should just kind of scatter it throughout the show. Uh, I absolutely agree that that is a very, <laughs> even though very good we, idea. Even though we had a plan, and I know how much you love it when I change the plans. Well, <laughs> I have no problem with that elf princess, as it turns out. No problem at all. You know, we elves, we love to be so spontaneous. Hey, let's do it this way instead. So, <clears throat> we both, though, uh, have been this, well... Let's talk a little bit about the letters uh, from Father Christmas. In fact, um, maybe I'll read just a little bit from the inside jacket about this. And have you had any luck yet finding that interview from uh, with Bailey Tolkien on YouTube? And indeed, I have, Elf oh, Princess. We have, we have that. Excited. But why don't you set us the background and describe a little bit about this wonderful book. Oh, it's just, it was one of the treasures that I discovered in about, I guess, the first year. But it was just one of those things, again, where I was at Barnes & Noble, and I was, you know, combing this section of J.R. Tolkien things. And lo and behold, here was this blue book that said, Letters from Father Christmas. And I thought, what in the world is that about? The thing that is so wonderful, I feel, about this book, in addition to the letters, which have been um, transcribed into regular type so that you can read them a little more easily, but it is full of pictures, my dear Hobbit, uh, pictures that J.R.R. Tolkien drew for his children to uh, liven up these beautiful pictures. And, of course, on the cover, we have the polar bear falling down the stairs. Which <laughs> is, is hilarious. On my soft cover oh. revised edition uh-huh. we have a smaller picture but it's a picture of father christmas carrying on his back a sack full of toys presumably for good little girls and boys mm. well it says inside the cover and and so this was published in what year my dear hobbit friend do we have well i believe that my provenance shows that the the revised edition in paperback was published by Houghton Mifflin in 2004. But the very, very first edition, the very first time it saw print, was again from Tolkien's publishers, George Allen and Unwin, in 1976. Ah, okay. The first time the revised edition was published was by HarperCollins in 1999. So, it says here on the inside of the jacket that every December an envelope bearing a stamp from the North Pole would arrive for J.R. Tolkien's children. Inside would be a letter in strange spidery handwriting and a beautiful colored drawing or some sketches. So actually, he did send one every December. Some of them, uh, once in a while, were a little short, because I remember there's some in here where it says, so much going on this year, no time to write type of thing. But apparently every December. And it says, they told wonderful tales of life at the North Pole, how all the reindeer got loose and scattered presents all over the place, how the accident-prone polar bear climbed the North Pole and fell through the roof of Father Christmas's house into the dining room, how he broke the moon into four pieces and made the man in it fall into the back garden. I don't remember that one. How there were wars with the troublesome horde of goblins who lived in the caves beneath the house. Sometimes the polar bear would scrawl a note, and sometimes Elbereth the elf would write in his elegant flowing script, adding yet more life and humor to the stories. So this scans then from 19, uh, the first one is like 1920, I believe, is it not? It's it's amazing. I believe the first one that I have in my soft cover version is from 1920, the very and first then, one I have. Yes, and then the last one is uh, addressed actually to Priscilla and is dated Christmas 1943. So um, over 20 years, like 23 years, these letters Span. And, and unfortunately on radio, you cannot see the beauty of the drawings that Tolkien did for his children in these beautiful Father Christmas letters, but they, they're they certainly worth it. So even if you cannot afford to purchase a copy of the hardback or the softcover, I urge you to go to your local library. Mm-hmm. Any, any larger library is certainly to have a copy in some version of this, and it's wonderful reading 
especially for the holiday season. And it's wonderful to think what a blessing you can give to children for basically no cost at all. I mean, in a sense, yeah, the only thing this paperback. The only thing this cost Tolkien himself when he gave these wonderful little letter presents, if you will, to his children was uh, some time to write the letter and to draw the little pictures, which are, on one hand, they're naive. In other words, they are art that is not very sophisticated. It doesn't show someone who was an artist. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, they are so precious. And I can only imagine they were even more precious to his children because his children knew when they became older, they certainly knew that these pictures were hand-drawn by him for them, and that's really one of the most precious presents a, a parent can give to a child is something personalized to them, regardless Absolutely. of the fact that it's zero cost. Right. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up. We should have a show sometime talking about the art of J.R. Tolkien. Many people um, are so focused on his magnificent writings and the depths of his uh, creation, his mythology, and they forget that he also was um, an artist. There's a book that I have at home called, I believe it's uh, Tolkien the Illustrator or something like that, but it's really all about um, his, you know, his his work as an artist uh, in addition to his um, to his writing and. I believe wasn't one of his books was um, I, I'm not sure if it was The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings or something. A later edition was uh, published with some of his own drawings in it. Isn't that well? There, there, there have been many, many publications. Of course, the original drawings upon which these books are based, the drawings are in the Bodleian Library of Oxford, right, which is right. where Tolkien. Oh, his. gosh, I can't wait to get there. <laughs> Someday, Elf Princess, it would be great if we could uh, yes. if we could get to Oxford in person and visit his, his actual... So, we're going to be playing some music, and we're going to be playing some readings from the professor. How about, are we set up to hear this, the interview with Bailey Tolkien yet? Well, yes. It, would you like to listen it? <laughs> should we should we play some music first and do let's play let's just play let's the interview. Let's first. start so, with the so interview. Could, could you give a little background on this? We are at youtube.com and all I did was enter in the search Bailey Tolkien mm -hmm. and the very first hit is Bailey Tolkien interview part 1 which was posted 1 year ago. Uh, Bailey, by the way, is spelled B-A-I-L-L-I-E. Tolkien is the normal spelling, mm -hmm. T-O-L-K-I-E-N. And let's have a listen to a portion. And Bailey Tolkien is Christopher Tolkien's wife. And Christopher, of course, who at least I and I think many of us know and love as the son of J.R.R. Tolkien, through whom many of J.R. Tolkien's works now are available to us. Were it not for his work and efforts over all these years, we would not have access to those. What a tremendous continuing present all during the year, not yes. just at Christmas time. But let us listen to some of this interview, and we'll be back to What Would Arwen Do here on KUCI-FM Irvine. We are loading... We are loading the video. After my father-in-law died and we received this vast mass of papers that he had kept all those years, some of which hadn't been looked at by anyone other than him, possibly not by him, uh, the, the Father Christmas letters turned up. Nobody knew that they still existed. Nobody knew that he'd kept them, but he had. And they were there, absolutely intact, with the envelopes and the stamps and everything. And it was decided that, uh, that we could try to, to, it could be tried to make them into a book. Um, they do produce a fairly coherent story, even though they consisted of these isolated letters written once a year. And they, of course, do relate to his primary imagination. As Christopher said, the creation of a new secondary world began, but it was one which was very uh, closely um, related to the 
to the main one. The character of the polar bear, of course, who emerges as uh, more and more of a personality as, as uh, time went on and, and um, escapades uh, involving him. But I think that the thing that stays with me is the, um, the, the, the goblin wars mm. in the caves mm. because I think that's the point at which it touches most closely the, the real imaginative creation. It has everything. It has uh, uh, Father Christmas, who is a sort of Gandalf figure. It had, it has the goblins. It has a runic alphabet. It has caves, battles, um, elves. So they're quite different, but everything is there. Oh my gosh! Isn't that amazing? <laughs> just just uh, simply amazing and delightful. And I love that she says that these letters, they found them in a box. They were all together, even with the original envelopes. J.R.R. Tolkien had saved them over all the years. And how amazing. I mean, how many of us move and, you know, things get lost and things get, you know, put away here or there. But somehow those letters survived uh, all those different moves to different places and, you know, all the many books and uh, scraps and bits of paper and everything that he had his notes on. So we're very grateful for that, are we not? Oh, my gosh. There's so much to be grateful for in this holiday season. And we should say a special hello not only to our Christian friends, but also our Jewish friends who have mm-hmm. just concluded, I believe, the celebration of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. And also... You know, since 2001, the U.S. Postal Service has been issuing three kinds of stamps in the holiday season. Hanukkah stamps, Christmas stamps, actually a fourth kind, generic holiday stamps with just like pine cones, and the stamps for Eid, which actually celebrate two Eid festivals in the Muslim calendar, Eid al-Fitr, the end of Ramadan, and Eid al-Adha the Feast of the Sacrifice. So welcome to our Muslim friends as well. It's a holiday season. Absolutely. And even for those who celebrate Christmas simply from a cultural, traditional aspect of it being the season of taking time to show our appreciation for each other very often through gift giving or going to parties or just spending time together. So it can be a wonderful time of the year. And let's say um, I would also just like to remind our listeners to remember kindly those who may have lost loved ones this last year and be extra gentle and extra patient. Uh, well, always, but I think especially during the holidays and and for those. Um, we lost one of our own here at KCI just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, quite a tragic accident. One of the bright stars of KCI, uh, Jessica Hoke, uh, in a very, just a strange type of accident where she was walking to work and there was a car accident and she was actually hit by flying debris, wasn't even involved in the accident. And now she has passed from the circles of this world and um, certainly the lives of her family um, are forever changed. And um, there will be very many people. We had a, there was a memorial service for her last week. Many people will miss her, but a lot of people have lost loved ones this last year and so and a lot of us don't even know you know you you may run into people in the store or something so you know if sometimes just let's just be gentler with each other this year because you don't know what all things people are having to deal with during the during the holiday season it's a it's kind of a as we elves know you know it's a mixed cup there's a cup of joy and sweetness and there's also the little cup of bitterness that goes with it but it is a time, uh, a season of peace on earth. We should be reminded mm. of the importance of peace and be thankful for the many gifts the universe has given us of people that strive for peace, such as the, ra- the late Richard Holbrook, who has just passed away, and how hard he worked on peace in the Middle East, mm. in the areas of Afghanistan and Pakistan. 
But there's other happier things to talk about. There are. And, and I don't know. There's so much happiness to explore. <laughs> Where would you like to go, well, Elf Princess? Let's, let's play one of um, a, a little gift for our listeners, a, a song from the Prancing Pony players to get us in the spirit of the season for the letters from Father Christmas. And um, here I have uh, here for us some chocolate. Oh my gosh! So it's all from it's always good Tanzania. To, to, yes, it's Excellent. always good to to have a little chocolate. And let's open the phone lines to our listeners and offer our first giveaway. Well, let's let's do a choice. Let's do a choice of since, of course, this Lord of the Rings, we need to have something themed from the Lord of the Rings. So we have either the pocket book of the Hobbit. Or the entire work of the um, Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King in paperback. And the wonderful thing is that these are all regifting gifts because as an elf, I love the regifting and I love recycling things. And my favorite bookstore, uh, the Newport Beach Public Library, so got two books for a dollar, 50 cents each. We should not mention prices on <laughs> oops, the air, Elf oops, Princess, oops, oops. but the point is they're uh, edit that minim- minimally expensive. And, yes. And, and, and actually, oh, on yeah. a podcast, it is absolutely fine to do that. It's just not fine over the airwaves. Right, right, right. And, and, and so... <laughs> but they're wonderful Delray editions. It's so wonderful when you just get, you know... Nice size handy yeah. editions to read, so... We're and going we would to love to send these to a listener. There may be someone out there who either doesn't have a copy of The Lord of the Rings or maybe the only copy they have is a big, you know, hardbound one that they can't carry about with them. So this way you can take each of the three um, along with you at various times that you're reading them or maybe you want to reread them. So here we have all three. Or, or if you prefer, The Hobbit. Hobbit in a similar paperback yes. edition. This is KUCI Irvine. The phone number to call while you're listening to this gift of music is 949-824-5824. Or 949-UCI-KUCI. Oh my gosh, it's so delightful. We had Chris call from Newport Beach, and he has chosen The Hobbit. And we will be sending that out to him forthwith. Hopefully it will arrive before Christmas, although that may or may not matter to him. But we will be sending him The Hobbit, and we'll be having other giveaways later in the special two-hour edition. Today we are broadcasting live from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., Pacific Time here on KUCI Irvine, the greatest radio station in the history of Middle Earth. So, we are very grateful to all of our listeners, both those that are listening live on the FM tune airwaves, as well as those that are listening live on the internet at KUCI.org. So, we have given away The Hobbit, we will have other giveaways later, and... There will be excitement of all kinds coming down. And the elf princess has something to say. Well, I just got to talk to Chris. That was very nice. Thank you so much for calling in. And I'm so excited. We're going to be sending him. Are we sending him the, the Lord of the Rings books? No, he said that it's been a while since he read The Hobbit. Oh, so wonderful. he's chosen The Hobbit, oh, that's and great. so there'll be uh, there'll be other opportunities mm-hmm. later. I asked him if he um, listened in, and he said he does listen from time to time. So, uh, very special greeting to Chris. Alin Salano Mendementievo. Perhaps one day, star will shine on the hour of our meeting. And thank you for listening in and supporting KCI. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, and Chris will be Isn't getting... is fun and exciting? You know, it's, it's just <laughs> wonderful to be able to do some giveaways. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'd like you to give us now? If what? I may ask for a present, would you read us one of those Father Christmas letters written by Tolkien to his children? Oh, yes. And the only thing that's always a challenge it's is so trying challenging. To, find, to, try and to pick... Last night, one. when I was picking out mm-hmm. my letter to read, I was 
pulling my hair out, but I'll discuss later how I chose mine. <laughs> okay. Well, this is um, one from 1925, and I believe it's uh, John Michael and Christopher Tolkien, 22 Northmore Road, Oxford, England. And the picture that's in it is just wonderful. It has a picture of the polar bear on top of the house. It says, the North Pair with my hood and a bit of the roof... <laughs> And the star went red when the pole snapped. So he not only has these beautiful illustrations, but little captions uh, about what's going on. My reindeer can climb up the cliff, because uh, he's got a picture with the cliff. So this is from uh, Cliff House, Top of the World, near the North Pole, Christmas 1925. This is from Father Christmas. It says, My Dear Boys. I am dreadfully busy this year. It makes my hand more shaky than ever when I think of it, and not very rich. In fact, awful things have been happening, and some of the presents have got spoilt. And I haven't got the North Polar Bear to help me, and I have had to move house just before Christmas. So you can imagine what a state everything is in. And you will see why I have a new address, and why I can only write one letter between you both. It all happened like this. One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole. I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down, and he did. The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house, and the North Polar Bear fell through the hole made into it into the living room with my hood over his nose, and all the snow fell off the roof into the house and melted and put out all the fires, and ran down into the cellars where I was collecting this year's presents, and the North Polar Bear's leg got broken. He is well again now, but I was so cross with him that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt and will be mended by next Christmas. I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole, with beautiful cellars in the cliffs. If John can't read my old shaky writing, 1,925 years old, he must get his father to. When is Michael going to learn to read and write his own letters to me? Lots of love to you both and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. That's all. Goodbye, Father Christmas. Then it has a postscript. P.S. Father Christmas was in a great hurry, told me to put in one of his magic wishing crackers. As you pull... Wish and see if it doesn't come true. Excuse thick writing. I have a fat paw. I help Father Christmas with his packing. I live with him. I am the great polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that delightful and wonderful? And oh, my pictures, gosh. The pictures that are with it are just as delightful as um, the letters. So, do you, do you have a favorite letter to share with us? Well, I have a letter as well, and I think I'll read my letter, and then we'll let the the professor do some reading. I don't want to read after the professor because he's so much better. Yeah, it's a tough act to follow. But of all these wonderful letters with their wonderful designs and the wonderful phrasing, it was very, very difficult to pick one. And so I said, well, earlier we celebrated this year the 73rd anniversary of the 1937 original publication of The Hobbit mm -hmm. in its original form where you'll remember Bilbo unfortunately, told a different version of what <laughs> happened between him and Gollum. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, that was 1937. What was happening at Christmas of 1937 at the Cliff House in the North Pole? So we have this letter written from Tolkien to his son and daughter. In the beautiful headline, in beautiful red-tinged cursive script, My Dear Christopher and Priscilla, Cliff House, North Pole, Christmas 1937. My dear Christopher and Priscilla, and other old friends in Oxford, here we are again. Of course, I am always here when not traveling, but you know what I mean, Christmas again. I believe it is 17 years since I started to write to you. I wonder if you have still got all my letters. I have not been able to keep quite all yours, but I have got some from every year. We had quite a fright this year. No letters came from you. Then one day early in December, I sent a messenger who used to go to Oxford a lot, but had not been there for a long while, and he said, Their house is empty and everything is sold. 
I was afraid something had happened, or that you had all gone to school in some other town, and your father and mother had moved. Of course, I now know the messenger had been to your old house next door. He complained that all the windows were shut and the chimneys all blocked up. I was very glad indeed to get Priscilla's first letter, and your two nice letters, and useful lists and hints, since Christopher came back. I quite understand that school makes it difficult for you to write like you used. And of course I have new children coming on my lists each year, so that I don't get less busy. Tell your father I am sorry about his eyes and throat. I once had my eyes very bad from snow blindness, which comes from looking at sunlit snow, but it got better. I hope Priscilla and your mother and everyone else will be well on December 25th. I am afraid I have not had any time to draw you a picture this year. You see, I strained my hand moving heavy boxes in the cellars in November and could not start my letters until later than usual, and my hand still gets tired quickly. But Ilbereth, one of the cleverest elves, who I took on as a secretary not long ago, is becoming very good. He can write several alphabets now, Arctic, Latin, that is, ordinary European like you use, Greek, Russian, runes, and, of course, Elvish. His writing is a bit thin and slanting. He has a very slender hand. And his drawing is a bit scratchy, I think. He won't use paints. He says he is a secretary and so only uses ink and pencil. He is going to finish this letter for me, as I have to do some others. So I will now send you lots of love, and I do hope that I have chosen the best things out of your suggestion lists. I was going to send hobbits... I am sending away loads, mostly second editions, which I sent for only a few days ago, but I thought you would have lots, so I am sending another Oxford fairy story. Lots and lots of love, comma, Father Christmas. And then it goes on in a completely different hand, this letter from Tolkien to his children. It goes, Dear children, I am Ilbereth. I have written to you before. I am finishing for Father Christmas. Shall I tell you about my pictures? Polar Bear and Valkotuka and Paksu are always lazy after Christmas, or rather after the St. Stephen's Day party. Father Christmas is ringing for breakfast in vain, another day when Polar Bear, as usual, was late. Not true. Paksu threw a bath sponge full of icy water on his face. Polar Bear chased him all around the house and around the garden and then forgave him, because he had not caught Paksu, but had found a huge appetite. We had terrible weather at the end of winter, and actually had rain. We could not go out for days. I have drawn Polar Bear and his nephew when they did venture out. Paksu and Volkutoka have never gone away. They like it so much that they have begged to stay. It was too warm at the North Pole this year. A large lake formed at the bottom of the cliff, and left the North Pole standing on an island. I have drawn a view looking south, so the cliff is on the other side. It was about midsummer. The North Polar Bear, his nephews, and lots of polar cubs used to come and bathe, also seals. The North Polar Bear took to trying to paddle a boat or canoe, but he fell in so often that the seals thought he liked it, and used to get under the boat and tip it up. That made him annoyed. The sport did not last long, as the water froze again early in August. Then we began to begin to think of this Christmas. In my picture, Father Christmas is dividing up the lists and giving me my special lot. You are in it. North Polar Bear, of course, always pretends to be managing everything. That's why he is pointing. But I am really listening to Father Christmas, and I am saluting him, not North Polar Bear. Rude little errand boy. <laughs> this, again, is in a different hand, right. right? When it's not true or rude little errand boy, those are the interjections of the polar bear. <laughs> but Ilbereth, the, the, the supposed elf, continues, We had a glorious bonfire and fireworks to celebrate the coming of winter and the beginning of real preparations. The snow came down very thick in November, and the elves and snowboys had several tobogganing half-holidays. <laughs> The polar cubs were not good at it. They fell off, and most of them took to rolling or sliding down just on themselves. Today, but this is the best bit, I had just finished my picture, or I might have drawn it differently. And better, wrote <laughs> the polar bear. <laughs> polar bear was being allowed to decorate a big tree in the garden all by himself and on a ladder. Suddenly, I heard terrible growling, squeaky noises. We rushed out to find polar bear hanging on to the tree himself. <laughs> You are not a decoration, said Father Christmas. 
Anyway, I'm all right, he shouted. He shouted. He was. We threw a bucket of water over him, which spoilt a lot of the decorations, but saved his fur. The silly old thing had rested the ladder against a branch instead of the trunk of the tree. Then he thought, I will just light the candles to see if they are working, although he was told not to. <laughs> so he climbed to the tip of the ladder with a taper. Just then the branch cracked. The ladder slipped on the snow, and Polar Bear fell into the tree and caught on some wire. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so delightful. <clears throat> Poor joke, wrote the polar bear. Luckily, he was rather damp or he might have fizzled. I wonder if roast polar is good to eat. <laughs> Not as good as well-spanked and fried elf, wrote polar bear. And it continues with wonderful pictures and writing... Just uh, tremendous pictures here, drawn supposedly by the elf. And at the bottom it says, A Merry Christmas, 1937, and initialed FC, which means Father Christmas. Mm. Well, just, ador- just so delightful. And the wonderful thing about this book is that, uh, again, it has the the letters written out in type that we can read easily, but all uh, of the pictures from the original pictures, which which is one of the reasons why I love the hardbound version is because it's so large. <laughs> and the pictures are probably about the size that they may have been, you know, in the actual letters. Right. I suspect that the uh, paperback version, uh, which is uh, probably less expensive, uh, the pictures are somewhat smaller, but they're still quite legible. They're very, very well done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, and look at these beautiful... Oh, here's a goblin alphabet. There's a goblin alphabet in here. <laughs> All sorts of wonderful things. Well, so Elf Princess, are we, going to hear a little we have something to hear from something the... from the professor. The and Prancing Pony episode is one of my favorite episodes in all of Tolkien. And since we listened to the Prancing Pony players earlier, right. I thought we'd bookend it a little with the Prancing Pony episode, read from the Cademan Recordings, the J.R.R. Tolkien audio collection, the professor himself reading about the Prancing Pony. And in case our listeners, anyone is just tuning in, we are KUCI in Irvine, What Would Arwen Do, on every Tuesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. Here is the professor. There is an inn, a merry old inn, beneath an old gray hill, and there they brew a beer so brown, and the man in the moon himself came down one night to drink his fill. The ostler has a tipsy cat that plays a five-stringed fiddle, and up and down he runs his bow, now squeaking high, now purring low, now sawing in the middle. The landlord keeps a little dog that's mighty fond of jokes. When there's good cheer among the guests, he cocks an ear at all the jests and laughs and eat jokes. They also keep a horned cow as proud as any queen, but music turns her head like ale and makes her wave her tufted tail and dance upon the green. And all the rows of silver dishes and the store of silver spoons. For Sunday there's a special pair of these they polish up with care on Saturday afternoons. The man in the moon was drinking deep and the cat began to wail. Addition a spoon of the table dance, the cow in the garden madly pranced and the little dog chased his tail. The man in the moon took another mug and then rolled beneath his chair and there he dozed and dreamed of ale till in the sky the stars were pale and dawn was in the air. And the ostler said to his tipsy cat, the white horses of the moon, they neigh and champ their silver bits, but their master's been and drowned his wits, and the sun will be rising soon. So the cat in his fiddle played, hey diddle diddle, a jig that will wake the dead. He squeaked and soared and quickened the tune, while the landlord shook the man in the moon. Did after three, he said. They rolled the man slowly up the hill and bundled him into the moon, while his horses galloped up in rear, and the cow came capering like a deer, and the dish ran up with a spoon. Now quick of the fiddle, when deedle dum diddle the dog began to roar. The cow and the horses stood on their heads, the guests all bounded from their beds and danced on the floor. With a ping and a pong, the fiddle strings broke, the cow jumped over the moon, and the little dog laughed to see such fun, and the Saturday dish went off at a run with a silver Sunday spoon. The round moon rolled behind the hill as the sun raised up her head. She hardly believed her fiery eyes, for though it was day to her surprise, they all went back to bed. Oh my gosh, is that unbelievable? He is so able to read his own stuff so tremendously well. And I never tire of hearing the professor reading his works. And it's always amazing to me. He can speak so quickly. (laughs) He can just whip through that material. But it doesn't seem like he's racing. It just seems like a natural rhythm. I would say it's it's certainly his natural rhythm. Mm. And... 
I think we vary from that rhythm cautiously. In other words, I I would think if anyone reads things that he is reading on these audio collection recordings, you would do well to try to pace yourself similarly because he was, I mean, he was a professor of philology. Mm-hmm. Language was his life's work. And I'm sure that he gauged the speed of things intentionally. Yes. And I cannot believe that our first hour is almost flown by. And here it is. Here we are here on What Would Arwen Do? And we have not gotten yet to any movie news, which we need to do some because there's such exciting things going on before we move into our second hour of Christmas programming uh, today, December 14th. We are absolutely going to... Because there's something very exciting. There was one very exciting, at least one, uh, especially to me as an elf, very exciting announcement from last week, was there not? Many, many sources have (laughs) confirmed the press release from 3 Foot 7 Productions, which, by the way, is the production company for the Hobbit movies Parts 1 and 2. Wonderful. But I'm going to read from Entertainment Weekly. Kate Blanchett had better start brushing up on her Elvish. The Australian actress has signed on to the cast of director Peter Jackson's adaptation of Tolkien's fantasy epic The Hobbit, reprising the role of the ethereal elf Galadriel that she played in Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. The announcement of Blanchett's casting comes as something of a surprise, since the character of Galadriel doesn't actually appear in The Hobbit. Then again, there are virtually no female characters in The Hobbit whatsoever. So Jackson is clearly looking to balance out the two-part film somewhat in terms of gender. And even though Galadriel and Lothlorien is not mentioned in The Hobbit, though, we certainly know that it existed, that it was there, that even at that time Galadriel uh, was in... Uh, communication with Elrond. They were the two, uh, had two of the rings of power of the three. And so there were definitely things going on even during that time um, with regards to, uh, you know, where is the ring of power? (laughs) Absolutely. So consequently, uh, in that same announcement, by the way, there were some lesser known actors and some minor roles. Uh, Ken Stott of Charlie Wilson's War will play the role of Balin. Sylvester McCoy was finally, finally, finally confirmed as playing the wizard Radagast the Brown. Mm. Swedish actor Mikhail Persbrandt, about whom we read some last week, has been confirmed as playing Bjorn, the shape-shifting bear man Bjorn. You know what? I am so glad. I'm, I'm very excited about some of the obvious... Uh, people who you know who were in the other movies that will be coming back, uh, but I love the fact that we are going to have some fresh new faces, and so we, we at least for me I can come to it completely. Just this is who the character is without it necessarily associating them with any other things that they've done. That's that's right. It it will be uh, certainly to a large extent a brand new look as I believe Jackson has given several interviews and indicated that Guillermo del Toro's famous contributions to the script. And, of course, del Toro is one of those directors who sketches things constantly. Mm. He actually keeps sketchbooks. And so the design of Smaug, the design mm-hmm. of the Elven King home in the woods, the, the, uh, the Elf King of the Wood Elves, all of those things will have a special, uh-huh. special look. Yes. And it, it's amazing. I still, it, there's a part of me says, okay, well, we've, you know, the, 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 the company went to the last homely house in uh, Rivendell. So wouldn't it be wonderful to get a confirmation of Elrond? Uh, it would be wonderful if he were, if it would be uh, Hugo Weaving. Um, I don't know. Of course, you know, I don't research these things, so I don't know what, if he's already committed to another film project uh, at this time. And of course, Liv Tyler, uh, Arwen would have been a full-grown woman during this time of The Hobbit, even though Aragorn would have been only a child. That's exactly right. So there's no reason why we couldn't see Liv Tyler in the role of Arwen. On the other hand, in all of my researches, I haven't seen anyone mentioning that. That's right. not been marked as as a rumor uh, as of this point in time. 
As of this point in time, we have still to be officially confirmed. We have not yet been confirmed with Sir Ian McKellen, who should be Gandalf, Mm -hmm. or Andy Serkis, who should be Gollum, even though imdb.com, the Internet Movie Database, has switched. That site, that website, Mm -hmm. used to list them as rumored and now does not mark them as rumored. So So. I would say then the reports that their agents for Circus and McKellen are going very, very deep into the negotiations with Three Foot Seven, the production company of Peter Jackson. And really, it's the production company of Jackson and New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers and MGM that was formed for the filming Mm -hmm. of The Hobbit. I believe those negotiations at some point must come to a conclusion, and hopefully we will see the original people return. Well, at least we have confirmation of one feminine presence in the movie, and one that I'm very excited about. I'm very excited that Kate Blanchett will be reprising her role as the beautiful Galadriel. Yes, it'll, it'll be... Uh It'll be the the cast as it's being assembled is just tremendously brilliant already. I mean, heaven forbid that for some reason Gandalf not be Ian McKellen or Andy Serkis not be Gollum. However, I think it's likely that they will finally come to terms that are agreeable. Oh yes, and we will have just a tremendous team of actors doing this work. So we have uh, just a little time before we transition into our second hour, Hobbit, my dear Hobbit friend. That's right. Just a few minutes before. And I think we should have some transition music here. Well, that's wonderful. How about uh, something from the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, the complete recordings in honor of the fact that next Tuesday, and in case you're listening in, we will not be here next Tuesday because the wonderful thing about KUCI is it also celebrates sports. So there is, I believe, a basketball game. Basketball game, game. yes. Yes. There's a basketball game next um, Tuesday. And the Elf and the Hobbit will be off on other types of adventures. I'm going to be on an adventure with my nieces and nephews. Oh, wonderful. So... And had we been here, though, where we were going to be able to be here, we would have been able to celebrate the anniversary of the release of Fellowship of the Ring, December 21st, 2001. Uh, but we'll re- celebrate that today. We'll say yay. <laughs> and can we, ha- can we play from um, the complete recordings? It's going to be track three. And this is... Give up the halfling. So this is the scene where Arwen is taking Frodo and running, you know, outruns the Nazgul. And, of course, we see her call up the powers of the river and falls onto the bank with uh, Frodo and says, what grace is given me, let it pass to him. You know, one of the scenes that just changed my life forever. So this is Give Up the Halfling from the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring Complete Recordings. Please stay with us for another hour of What Would Arwen Do? On KUCI, Irvine.